Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Today we will be recapping Season 4, Episode 13 of The Sopranos, titled Whitecaps. This episode aired December 8th, 2002. It was written by Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, and David Chase. And it was directed by John Patterson. So we got the old standbys here for this episode. Here's the HBO synopsis. In the season four finale, Tony and Carmela contemplate purchasing a shore house, but a voice from the past threatens the deal. While Uncle Junior breaks out the hardy burgundy, little Polly and Benny break in a new sound system on the Stugats. With Carmine apparently intent on putting the past behind him, Tony and Johnny Sack weigh their options carefully. So this episode is a big one. The longest literally the longest episode of the entire series yeah it's about an hour and 16 minutes long and so this episode of the soprano show is going to be a bit longer uh we're going to be concise as best we can but there's a lot to get through right off the top we should mention just how great this episode is with awards such as edie falco and james gandolfini both winning the outstanding acting role for this episode that was submitted then robin green mitchell burgess and david chase winning for best writing for this episode actually this season has uh had three uh nominations for best writing which included also whoever did this which was a burgess green episode and terrence winters eloise which we saw last week also to note john patterson won the uh, award for outstanding directing of a drama series at the Directors Guild of America Awards. And yeah, this episode, it's a good one. There's tons of imagery and symbols in this episode. And uh, I would definitely stack the performances of James Gandolfini and Edie Falco up against any other performance. I'm going to say that right now. Like any other show... Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, The Wire, whatever you have, I will take this episode and these performances and they will beat your favorite episode of your favorite show of your favorite actors, hands down. That's my opinion. I'm sticking with it. That's an opinion I share in a lot of ways, uh, particularly with Edie Falco, what she does in this episode. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like the way that p- certain people talk about other like really legendary performances in movies, like right. you know De Niro and Taxi Driver, sure. Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood, Heath Ledger and The Dark Knight. Like, I feel like Edie Falco in Whitecaps is of that caliber. Yeah. This is maybe my favorite episode up until this point of the whole show. I am. I think I'm there with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the best finale, I think, of yeah. the series. Oh, for sure. So let's jump into it. Let's see how long this takes. <laughs> right. But I'm ready to get into it. All right. Yeah, let's dive in. The opening scene, Carmilla at the hospital looking god-awful. Unfortunately, it looks like her heartbreak has turned into actual illness that she's actually made herself sick over the loss of Furio. Right. Tony's there, and he gets a call from Patsy, who's relaying the message that uh, Christopher is actually better. That's right. Yeah, he's coming out of rehab now. Yeah. And uh, we didn't see him in the previous episode. 
two previous episodes. Right, the two previous episodes, yeah. um, you know, after he, he went in um, with the huge debacle or debacle, yeah, <laughs> as debacle. A, a little Carmine might say. You know, after his little intervention debacle, right. uh, we didn't really see Christopher because he had to go in and get better. So he's out now, mm -hmm. just in time for the finale of season four. Yeah. Who is also here is Dr. Cusimano. Haven't seen him in a while either. Yeah. Yeah. But he is obviously their, their family doctor and that's where they are. And he asks her about her emotional level lately because she could potentially have mono. She skirts the answer, kind of dances around it. And him and Tony have a little bit of a look. And it's like one of those things like, all right, maybe something is going on. Who knows? She'll just have to get through it, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, last episode was about how miserable she was over losing Furio, how truly crushed she mm -hmm. was by that. And then, yeah, we see the next level here and the doctor saying to her, you know, like, hey, has anything happened recently? Any sort of big change, you know, that would induce an extra level of stress? And she says, you know, same old, same old, whatever. But of course we know. And then we pick up in the car after the hospital with Tony and Carmela. Her irritation level is definitely already high. You know, it's carrying over, like we said, from the previous episode. And Tony aggravates it a bit more by saying, we're not going home right away. We got to go down to the shore, which does seem like it would be a drive for them mm -hmm. since they seem like they live mostly inland. Yeah, exactly. Got a little smirk on his face when he says that, too. So yeah, it does. You know, maybe this is leading to something good. But then we pick up with another married couple, Johnny Sack and Ginny. Johnny Sack hanging out in his backyard and... He is also still pissed, the carryover from previous episodes, because of the Esplanade being shut down and his lack of income coming in. But right. I, I really like, I, I don't know what it is about the character of Ginny Sack, but it's a perfect counterweight, no pun intended, oh. to Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Because she's so innocent and naive. Right. I mean, how many times has she said, John, why are you yelling at me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has no idea why he's so upset. And yeah. But they have a way of, uh, you know, they're, and it's kind of touched upon later on, but how their relationship, how he feels like, you know, it's, it, it's work both ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's so soft and sweet, innocent, yeah. like you said. And he has this kind of glowering sort of perched on the edge of a cathedral gargoyle likeness <laughs> about him. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It, there really is that contrast and it's great. And when he yells at her, it's just kind of funny, you know, it's, it's just funny. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially because she brings up little Carmine. Yeah. So that little bit where he's like, it's not tied up in the Esplanade. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. That was really, really funny. Uh. But this scene is basically saying that Johnny Sack has a big problem with his boss, Carmine, still. Yes. And it's just getting worse. Mm -hmm. And of course, he made a little pitch to Tony in the previous episode. That's Let's right. Let's take Carmine out. So Tony and Carmella arrive at Whitecaps, which mm -hmm. is where we get our title for this episode. That's right. So it's a really nice waterfront property, very cozy, mm -hmm. yet you know somewhat expansive. And Tony is like, hey, this is going to be my gift to you. And the family, this is going to be our new vacation mm -hmm. slash like summer home type place. Yeah. And they kind of, um, you know, have a look with the broker. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, her dad's there as well. And it's yeah. interesting, the name of using the name White Cap, mm -hmm. because a white cap is when a strong wind pushes over the top of a wave mm -hmm. and causes it to break apart, mm -hmm. to foam, 
And I don't know. That kind of feels like how this relationship between the two is going, where there's a strong force that's going to break them apart. Absolutely well said. Yeah, turmoil is at hand. Mm -hmm. But at this moment, Tony is just excited about this house. And Carmela, she's reserved about it, but you can tell that she's kind of, she would love it if they could have this house too. Piques her interest. Yes. And there is an obstacle, which is that it's technically already been bought by someone else, but their financing maybe isn't going to come through. And Mm -hmm. next door, we've got... Alan. Alan Sappinsley. Yes, the man who owns the property and is selling it. And, you know, perhaps he would be amenable to an aggressive cash offer. Douchebag extraordinaire. Let me tell you something about this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll save it, but I have a very specific observation about him. I'll save it for when we actually get into his first scene. Okay, good. Uh, Up there, painting away. Yes. Like a loser. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, Tony talks about family here he talks about the future also of the past when him and carmelo were dirt poor uh and again he likes doing this referencing the kennedys as he mm-hmm. does so often how this feels like their compound right yeah then we pick up on junior's trial right. of course this is still going on and last week we know that gene pontecorvo laid a heavy hand on danny the juror and the jury is hopelessly deadlocked. And when these guys come in, these 12 jurors, we get a really nice moment from the actor who plays Danny because you can almost sense that they were literally yelling at him as they were like just before they walked into (laughs) court. So he looks, you know, very kind of just self-conscious and conflicted. Yeah. And he sits down. Of course, Junior knows that Danny's the one that has been picked out. Yes. And he knows what he looks like. So he stares him down yeah. just to be like, hey, in case you don't get it, motherfucker, <laughs> like you better make sure that this jury stays hung, you know? Yeah. It's no. all on you, bud. No, it's really good. It's a, it's a classic Junior stare. Yeah. And so now we're at Casa de Soprano uh, for dinner. And... This is an interesting uh, moment here. They, they highlight this moment of Carmela coming downstairs. Tony's obviously set up dinner, and she's rearranging all the silverware that Tony yeah. got wrong. <laughs> you know, just kind of like a, a very focused, you know, a, intentional hint at she's correcting the mistake exactly. that Tony has made. Yeah. You know, this little thing, but then there are some bigger things. Right. Right. It's a big deal when Carmela can't cook for the family. Yeah. It just it throws everything out of sorts. It certainly does. And yeah. I love this moment because of them not getting their orange peel or, or whatever it was, their order right, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that mirrors this moment yeah. as well. And it's just funny to see the two very different characters go about it. Because, of course, we get Tony saying, Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Right. <laughs> And yet we get a whole episode in Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. about how Larry David is going back for. Where's all the shrimp here? Where's all the shrimp? There's only three shrimp. In that giant container? There's yeah, only... three shrimp. There's usually more than that. There's usually like ten. Well, you can have them. Did he take the shrimp? Right, yeah. It's like, uh, there's, uh, there, I think there's a shrimp missing. Yeah. Uh, it's just a yeah, whole episode of that. Exactly. <laughs> That's the curb version. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But then AJ comes uh, into the scene and is, you know, obviously excited about the prospect of a 
beachfront house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like this little beat here of him saying the F word and then Carmella and Tony chastising him for that and then him saying, but dad just said mother effer, which is true. <laughs> and then Carmella's like, well, we're instituting a new policy. You know, anyone who swears around here gets fined $3, yeah. which I thought was interesting because, you know, it isn't really that normal for a family to be throwing around F-bombs as much as these characters do <laughs> right. around each other, you know? Uh, so it's kind of cool that the show addresses that. And it's just funny yeah tony and carmella climb into bed turn out the lights and carmella kind of surprisingly says that she's basically reversed her whole position Mm -hmm. on white caps she actually strongly hints that tony should pursue it aggressively and try and lock it down yep and you know maybe it would after all be a good investment right she has a very key line in this scene that is more is lost by indecision than by wrong decision. That's all I'm saying. And True. I thought just in this moment for this line that it might be a possible theme for Carmela's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the indecision or the wrong decision about staying with Tony. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's been in a state of indecision for as long as we've known her as viewers. Right. Right. So, yeah, that is definitely a key line. And then even when she's sort of kind of trying to leverage Tony into pursuing the house and locking it down. Uh, she still has a bit of a slam mm. that she hits him with, which is, hey, I know if you don't get it, you're just going to sulk and be kind of a jerk around the house. Right. And in the next beat, Tony is picked up by Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a fresh start for Christopher. And I don't know if I'm reaching here, but I felt like it was a symbolic sort of visual cue that mm. they have Tony and... Um, Chris in the car driving, talking, and if you'll remember when we first saw Chris the very first time, mm-hmm. it was the two of them in the car, yep. Chris driving, them talking. Yep. So this is kind of just Chris reborn yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, we've had a lot of interesting moments where that one time Christopher was sharing his depression and Tony mm-hmm. was trying to get him to say you have you might be depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and then this like you said a rebirth for yeah. Christopher. I uh I should mention too cuz I'm sure some people were hoping we'd find the reference without them having to look for it, but when Tony comes out and calls him Jack Lemon, it's a reference to the movie Days of Wine and Roses, which is about alcoholism and rehab. Yeah. <laughs> so Tony going right for the punches there to yeah. start off the ball breaking has begun yeah i looked that up but i was like oh tony yeah yeah <laughs> but tony seems to be pretty jovial mm-hmm. about uh chris being back sure. and he's like yeah great you're recovered welcome back and then you know there's that sort of what step are you on yeah your 12 steps and i looked that up too i believe it's step nine the kind of making amends mm-hmm. that chris describes here yeah and then there's that joke where tony's like yeah maybe skip that one yeah because you know in our world people won't necessarily take kindly to being reminded of the bad things that you did to them yeah. chris is like yeah i thought so too right so then we got tony and Johnny Sack meeting to discuss uh, whacking Carmine. And I don't remember off the top of my head what kind of place they're in. Is it like a Home Depot? Yeah, it's like a Home Depot, Office Depot. It's not either of those. I couldn't read the signage. Maybe somebody on the East Coast knows and can let (laughs) us know. Um, It's like a green, black sign. 
I just remember Big Pussy the in the party store, but we're not in the party we're store. Definitely this time. not in the party store. No, no. Yeah, and uh, Johnny's letting him know Carmine still will not budge. Mm-hmm. And... So they have a lot of incentive to take yeah. uh, the old guy out. Yeah, but you can see here that. You know, as far as uh, what action Johnny Sack is taking now, mm-hmm. he's taken it to another level of really putting pressure on Tony to right. do this. It's no longer like a hint. It's full on like, uh, you'll you'll be fine with the other families. I got a cousin. Doesn't matter. Don't worry. But mm-hmm. you should do this. Yeah, exactly. And Tony responding to that pressure, he's hesitant, but he knows that Johnny's not wrong. I mean, taking mm-hmm. Carmine out would be very advantageous to Tony in a lot of ways. And also it helps because Tony is like, hey, if I'm going to do this really egregious thing, which is breaking the rules of our organization mm-hmm. and taking out a boss, then you in turn will give me these concessions, right? But of course, before that, we get uh, we get a few good Johnny Sack quoting other things. Yes. And he quotes the Beatles here that he would take a sad song and make it better. Yeah, he quotes Hey Jude. Yeah, yeah. I, I noted that uh, Johnny Sack being very poetical. Yes. <laughs> in, in this uh, episode. Yeah. More so than any other time I think we've seen Johnny Sack. Right. Uh, yeah, and then uh, does get an offer from Tony that it'll be done if he gets all of what HUD brings in and New York gets none of it. And also, from at this point on, any construction 60-40 Tony's way. Yeah. Which, that's a that's a big thing for Johnny Sack to swallow. Right. But it's worth it if it means that Johnny gets to be boss. Yeah. So, uh, they agree. This is moving forward. Carmine is going down. Yeah, and then we're back in the car with Christopher. Tony lets him know because, again, he's using Christopher as his ears only mm-hmm. uh, that... They will be taking out Carmine. Christopher mentions that he knows some black guys that can do it, and they have been very trustworthy in the past. And Tony is, you know, Tony, I think, still has reservations at this point Mm -hmm. because Johnny is too eager and it can't get out. So it really has to be done perfectly for it to be successful. Yeah. And I believe that Tony even implies here, hey, uh, these guys that you have take out Carmine, maybe you need to take him out too. You know, he doesn't say it explicitly, but it's just like, we can leave no trace of this. So Mm -hmm. those guys should probably die as well after the deed is done. He definitely makes a point of that later on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're here. Tony meeting with Alan. Yeah. Alan Alda, as I put it. Oh God. (laughs) I feel like this guy. It's like just like a weird Alan, Alan, like fake Alan Alda. That's really funny. Yeah. Was that your big note? That was my big (laughs) note. I was just like, Alan Alda? That's interesting. Yeah. That's so funny now that you mentioned that. But I I think we should establish right now, Alan Sappingsley, Mm -hmm. AS, and Anthony Soprano, AS, are one and the same. Right. These are both powerful men in their industries clever-witted, savvy, uh, and I think we're going to see more to come about how much they mirror each other yeah. as individuals. And that's a very interesting like writing you know, uh, tool element to use in a show. Right. Because, yeah, it is interesting to see Tony go up against a foe who is almost on his same level. But also a civilian. Yes. Because the only other people— Well, he is a lawyer. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So maybe civilian is, is loose, but yeah. you know, just in terms of people that can like stand toe to toe with Tony mm-hmm. and not just immediately give in to Tony and everything that he wants, right. you know, Tony doesn't encounter really anyone like that in his life, uh, except for fellow gangsters and maybe feds. Right. That's, that's true. So this is kind of a, a different sort of dynamic that he's walking into. Right. So Tony says he is ready to buy. So Alan just hops on the phone to the other buyers, the surgeon, mm-hmm. and we can see, again, the way he's negotiating, strong-arming the other uh, buyer, does it similar way as Tony does. Yeah. So, Tony respects it. Yeah. Tony does respect it. So we'll see. It could potentially be something that uh, they're buying soon. Right. And also just another little thing that they kind of added in here, and I liked it, was just... Chris is there the whole time, by the Mm -hmm. way, saying nothing, just sort of not even near the conversation. He's just sitting there like on a bench, Mm -hmm. kind of just quietly looking out, you know, into the sea, reflecting shirt off, you know, his scar going Mm -hmm. up his chest from when he was almost killed. He seems uh, to be in a very Zen like place right now. So I guess rehab did him some good. Yeah, and then next scene, Carmela gets a call from Virginia. They actually did get the house, so yeah. that actually all worked, right. uh, what Alan pulled. And in the next instant, everybody is coming to the house. They get to see it, uh, and I kind of like this oddly touching moment from Tony when he says, You'll inherit this. Dad, what a thing to say. And it is what a thing to say, but he's all smiles about it. This is what he wants. This is what he's always wanted, is to pass something along to his children. Right. Tony is feeling very warm about family and just very content. Like, this is um, a time, and I don't think that we've really seen Tony ever quite this happy. Mm -hmm. He truly is just brimming with love for his whole family. And then, you know, a beat later, sun is setting. We have a very nice shot of Tony and Carmela out on the beach. They're strolling and they have that kind of just classic, you know, beach sunset yeah. kiss moment, uh, very romantic. Mm-hmm. And they're very in love at this moment. Things could not be more perfect at this moment. <laughs> yes. We will see if that lasts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like, okay, what what they're setting up is Carmela might be turning a corner. Right. She may, in fact, be getting over Furio in this moment. Yeah. That's right. But on to the next scene, Chris is with his guns for hire. Mm -hmm. So a lot of money here for this hit, as there should be, because they're trusting these guys with a pretty serious hit. As the uh, gun for hire says, "Wop whacking time in Brooklyn." Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a funny line. Yeah, uh, yeah. But... Also gets offended, right? Yes, he does. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, we're like black guys, so we carjacked him." That's the story. Okay, that's a stereotype. Right. Again, yeah. calm, Chris. I like how the dude asks him about how his like sobriety is going. Yeah, and Chris is like, "Good, thanks for asking." Like, so calm <laughs> and polite. Yeah. But this scene kind of ends on an ominous note because mm-hmm. the guy says, Next time you hear. And then we cut to right. the phone ringing. Yeah. AJ answers the phone. And who is on the other line? But Irina, Nadia. 
right? Nadia's there <laughs> calling the Soprano household, which she did uh, season two, season right? Uh, yeah, was it season two? Yeah. Of course, Tony was able to get to answer it. Uh, well, the maid answered it, right? And then Tony got the phone, and then Carmela realized who right. was calling, right? Yeah. In this moment, I did feel like maybe AJ is throwing Irina off by saying the burger uh, answer you know, on the phone. <laughs> maybe she would just be like, oh, okay, I got the wrong place and yeah. hang up. <laughs> um, but no. And the call is passed on to Carmela. And I got to tell you, I felt as queasy as Carmela appears to be. I got a little queasy at this moment, too. I'm like, fuck. This is where the episode begins, Fuck. right? Yeah. I love the scene. I mean, it's so blunt. Mm-hmm. And it's just that kind of pure, abrupt, pulling the rug out from Carmela mm-hmm. situation. Irina just starts off with, I used to fuck your husband. Yeah. Which is a gut punch of gut punches. Yeah. And then goes on to say, of course, Carmela hangs up right away mm-hmm. from the trauma of hearing that. Yep. But then immediately she's called back. Carmela's ready. Right. So she picks up. Irina gets into it and says, yes, I was with Tony. It was me. And you've known about me, but you didn't really know about me specifically. Now you do. Also, he's with my cousin now, and he's been sleeping with her. And you know her. She's the one with the one leg who took right. care of his uncle and his mother. Yes. Yeah. Also, detail here is that Irina is being as cruel as she possibly can humanly be with all of this. Yeah. But it's also very motivated by the fact that she's got a big ass bottle of Stoli right there. Like she's getting wasted. You know, she is wasted. Mm -hmm. So that definitely contributes to this as well. But yeah, from this moment forward, the episode just takes off. Just like, like, because. Edie Falco as Carmela takes the performance into a whole other gear. Yeah, I think it starts with this line when she says, You call my house again. You ever speak to one of my children again. I will track you down and I will kill you. We have got guns here. I mean it. And I thought, yeah, she sounds serious. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds serious enough. Yeah. And uh, the lasting shot on Carmela's face of the scene. Her eyes aghast her. Mm -hmm. She can't move. Yeah, she's clutching her stomach. I mean, it's just the timing of this is just so brutal. Because as you said, the last image that we had of Tony and Carmela suggested, hey, maybe she's about to come out of it. Maybe she's over it. Maybe the cycle will continue again because she's forgiven Tony again. And this great big house that he bought for her, you know, it's all going to continue just as it always has. She's going to turn the page. Yeah. It's impossible now. Right. And you can only wonder that she maybe hoped this kind of call would have come sooner. Right. When she was still miserable and frustrated with Tony. Right. But now that she's turning the corner, like you said, it makes it that much worse. And one thing that I wanted to add about this, I remember it came up when we were discussing watching too much television. And the final shot of that episode is Irina just Mm. kind of looking back and forth. That's right. Worried. And we fade out on that. I remember you saying... What was that about? Yeah. And I remember thinking, I think I know what that's about, you know, because 
Irina's gonna come back. Yeah. And she's gonna fuck Tony's life up. Like he never could have predicted she'd ever be able to. So when we end yeah. with her and watching too much television, we just think, okay, Tony won. He beat the shit out of Zelman. He terrorized Irina. You know, he just continued to be Tony, and Tony is victorious. Mm -hmm. Little does he know that this action is going to have consequences. Yes, in this moment, Irina is just scared and can barely talk, but she's going to come back at mm -hmm. him when he least expects it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I forgot to remember to go back to that, and I'm glad you caught that because, yes, you're right. There was a reason. So much great setup throughout this season, I got to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so from that gut punch to a happily whistling Tony to the tune of Layla, of course, a song about leaving your man. Also, a mob movie reference because that it, song is really prominent in Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yeah. Runs over his golf clubs that are out in the driveway and he rushes in the house only to be pelted by his own shoes <laughs> that Carmela throws at him. And then we get this locked door moment the rage that he comes at the door with but then takes a deep breath probably thinking i've been in this situation before what have i done this time mm -hmm. let's rock walk through the paces as we normally do but for carmela it's a it's a little bit different this time i mean she was confronted directly with it in a way that she's never been confronted with it before Tony's infidelity and his lack of respect for, you know, their marriage in that sense. Yeah. And she just, you know, unloads on him as she deserves to do. Yeah, I think she's the expression on, I don't know how Edie Falco does this. She has both disgust and rage, anger on her face, mm -hmm. but also a sense of clarity mm -hmm. over her face as well. Mm. That like... A weight almost yeah being lifted that this was what she wanted this is what she needs she knew it was going to happen and she's resigned in the fact that now that's where we are i agree yeah i agree completely and of course you know this is the beginning of a great thread tony and carmela arguing throughout the episode you know mm -hmm. at different points as their marriage disintegrates in a matter of days yeah and Tony tries these different strategies. So first he just starts off with kind of like the soft, sort of just denying it. And hey, I'm... Although he's being a yeah. little bit honest. Yeah. Right? Because uh, he hasn't seen Irina yeah. like that, like he says. Mm -hmm. That's honest. Mm -hmm. Sure. But Svetlana. Oh. Yeah. When Carmela brings that up. Right. That is definitely a shock to him that she found that out. Yeah, definitely. But he gives that a hard denial Mm -hmm. as well and then i like how we get brought to the surface again this these are references back to previous episodes in the season so mergers and acquisitions that ended in a great way with carmella stealing from tony tony knowing that he had been stolen from but not confronting carmella about it mm -hmm. then also carmella having learned that he had an affair and basically telling tony subtly that she knows but not outright saying anything and that episode ends with them just kind of staring at each other yes. sort of like oh i know what you know right yeah but here it just comes flat out right right and oh, then yeah. of course he... you get that sort of sad detail of the fact that the fingernail that she found didn't belong to svetlana or irena belonged to the other gumar <laughs> right that she doesn't know about yeah because he can't yeah <laughs> 
I mean, he can't say anything about the fingernail because mm-hmm. you can't say, well, no, 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 no. That wasn't Svetlana's. That right. was Valentina's. Well, he like, starts, right? And then he immediately comes to his senses and he's right. like, oh, I can't go into detail on that. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. the way the creators have planted these seeds, mm-hmm. you know, all along for right. this moment for Carmela to have enough ammunition right. to justify separating. Yeah. It's just unbelievable and i gotta say i've been wanting to say this this entire season and i was saving it for this episode Uh uh-huh that watching this season for this podcast was the first time i realized how deliberately they layered this separation this truly massive event in tony and carmela's life yeah because it isn't simply that one day everything was it wasn't simply that everything was fine and then one day carmela got a call from this woman saying, yeah, I used to fuck your husband. And then Carmela went into a rage and said, Tony, you got to get out of the house. Right. It wasn't just that. That's just the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. This entire season, she's had problems with Tony that have mm-hmm. just been getting worse and worse. Financially, she doesn't trust him. Right. Um, of course, in terms of like fidelity, she doesn't trust him. And the introduction of Furio into her own life. Right. Yes. And her truly falling in love with Furio. So the writers were very smart. They were like, look, if Tony and Carmela are going to split up or if Carmela is going to propose that Tony and Carmela split, then it has to be really well earned. It can't just be one thing. It has to be like five different things. And we're going to build those five things throughout the 12 episodes leading up to the finale. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, one time I remember one time you saying you liked all the odd seasons of The Sopranos. Yeah, has that changed? I have to say that yes, that has changed in a sense. At least season four is in. For whatever reason, like I never remembered season four as being this good. But I think just maybe because I'm older, there's certain more adult aspects of it that I can appreciate more than I could when I was a teenager watching it for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, no, season four is a masterpiece. Yeah. This whole scene was really hard for me to break down because I couldn't stop the scene from going. Right. You know, I I wanted to keep watching it because there's so much energy in both of them. How she slaps his hand away when he puts his his hand on her shoulder and her just collapse into the bed and her hands, you know, covering her face. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, you know, getting up to that moment. You know what I don't understand, Tony? What does she have that I don't have? That leaves Tony in his tracks. He doesn't have anything to say for that. Yeah. But would you call uh, the hooking up with Svetlana an affair? Well, it was a one-time thing. Yeah, because Svetlana wanted it that way. Right. Yeah. And I believe that it's just a simple case of Irina characterizing it as a multiple-time thing. But even if she hadn't, right... Carmela is perfectly conditioned to believe that Svetlana has been an ongoing affair. Yeah. And even if Tony denies it, she'll never believe that as long as she lives. So it really doesn't matter. Was it an affair? I guess technically not. Yeah. But as far as Carmela was, uh, as far as Carmela is concerned, it was. And it explains a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why Svetlana would have even been there when, you know, Carmela heard that she was from an agency, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out that she was just Irina's cousin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, you can imagine that Carmela's thinking, oh, well, Tony was obviously fucking Svetlana back then, too. 
mm-hmm. you know, at, when his mom died, which right. is not true, but right. that's what Carmel is going to believe. Yeah. And I think Tony is nearly resigned at the end of this, but does ask about the kids. Because again, mm-hmm. he is being very family focused this whole episode. Yeah. And Carmela's cold response. Right. Yeah, it's horrible. God help them. At this point, she only cares about, you know, the defense of herself. Right. And that makes some sense. But that's kind of cold. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck about her kids and what they feel. No, it's over. It's over. Tony had a million chances, you know, over the years. Mm -hmm. Or not even a million chances, because it's never like she'd really given him an ultimatum before. She had just been hurt by this behavior again and again and again and again over the decades of their marriage. And it was just like, no, finally, it's gone too far. It has to end. So then Tony, of course, he, he sees how heartbroken Carmela is and he's like okay I can't push this forward more at this point I must kill Irina yeah so he leaves to go you know just confront Irina threatens to break down the door Svetlana answers Irina's gone and then we get the explanation which you know you and I pretty much already described that it was all the call was all about revenge yep. uh, basically very specifically after Tony beat Zelman Zelman couldn't really perform yep. and the relationship fell apart yes and Irina wanted to get back at Tony and she got back at him but to add to that she, Irina also found out that Svetlana slept with Tony right because of Bronco <laughs> yeah, because of Bronca and a dispute Bronco. <laughs> of the FICA federal withholding of her paycheck, yes. which is amazing. And Tony notes that as well. He's like, yeah. seriously, I'm going to lose my marriage over FICA? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's pretty amazing that, yeah, after everything, all of the jams that Tony's gotten out of with Carmela, it looks like this time he's not really going to be able to get out of it. You know, and yeah. it all just comes down to fucking Bronca and the FICA withholding. I mean, it's it's just truly ridiculous. I find it fascinating that you've uh, gone back to Bronca and not <laughs> kept up Tony's Bronco. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might go back to Bronco, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Tony ending with uh, how Svetlana is the most expensive piece of ass he'll ever have. Mm-hmm. And Svetlana is just like, look, you're strong. You'll get through it. Anyway, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, leaves him. Right, that's it. Yeah, she's like, "Hey, sorry, it's uh not really my fault. It's not really your fault. It's yeah. just kind of the way it goes." Anyway, back to my website. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so where can Tony go at this point? Well, mm-hmm. he can crash at Whitecaps. Yeah, and that's where he finds a place to sleep for the night. Even though they technically don't own it yet, mm-hmm. but he's gonna crash. Yeah. And then we get Adriana meeting with her Fed handler, Agent Sanserverino. Can't forget. Yeah. And this being the last episode of season four, we're kind of going to bring their relationship to a close for this season for now. Mm-hmm. And we get the normal sort of situation of Sanserverino asking about what's going on with Tony's business. Oh, he bought that place. What do you know about that? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you know about this? And what do you know about Ralph? Exactly, Ralph. She mentions, she mentions Ralph. And then you, know, you kind of get an interesting thing of Adriana saying, oh, Chris said that like Ralph's got a really bad drug problem and Chris wants to help him, blah, blah, blah. Which is a great line from yeah. Christopher, like a great lie. Of I course. Yeah. Of course it is. And 
I mean, the big takeaway from this is that Adriana and Chris, well, I guess plot wise, the takeaway is that Adriana and Chris are, you know, on solid footing, but they're not making big commitments yet to um, just going forward with the marriage. They're kind of going to see how things go for a little bit. Well, Chris did crush yeah. her dog. And so he feels like he might not make a good father. <laughs> exactly. Well, stay off the heroin. <laughs> that might help. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Um, <laughs> And then we get the hilarious beat that while Chris was at rehab, Vito was calling Adriana, trying to get something going there. Which is very funny. Very funny. The balls on Vito. Yes. Yes. And just the fact that Vito thought that Adriana would be interested (laughs) in a guy like Vito. Yeah. But that's not really the point. The point is Sanseverino's reaction, which is like oh my god he didn't like a girlfriend yeah you know, exactly like, he Say, didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and so really the point of that anecdote is just to show us the audience that san severino and adriana are maybe bonding a little bit now for the first time as like just actual friends mm-hmm. and like san severino is actually sort of invested in adriana's personal life a little bit yeah. and adriana feels comfortable confiding these things in san severino she's a surrogate danielle right so next morning uh, one thing I've always loved about Gandolfini is his waking up acting. I think he is maybe the best at groggy and tired acting. He does it so well. He does. Alan's there, banging on the door, wakes him up, gives Tony uh, the advice in this moment of, hey, you and your wife not doing well? I got an idea for you. Go around to all the divorce lawyers, meet with them. So when Carmela goes around, she can't use any of them because they'll say conflict of interest, which is such a shitty thing to do. Yeah. But that's Alan. He's a shitbag. He's playing at Tony's level. I wouldn't say right? Tony's a shitbag. Sometimes he's a shitbag, <laughs> but yeah, Alan's definitely yeah. a shitbag. I mean, Alan's been married three times. Well, he's on his third now, so... Is that true? Is that... I didn't catch that. Uh, yeah, he's like, I've been up to bat three times or something. Um, so he knows he knows all about divorce. I mean, plus he's catch. just a, a just an asshole lawyer in general. So right. <laughs> he yeah. knows all these little douchey tricks. Tony freshens up and heads over to Alan's house and wants him to know, you know, as it turns out, can't really buy the house. Just mm-hmm. with the situation with Carmela, it's probably not the right idea. So if I could get my deposit back, that'd be great. I'll be out of your life and we're all good. But Alan says, no, baloney. Baloney. <laughs> yeah. And uh, tries to strong arm Tony. Right. Out of his deposit. And he says in a very key line here that I, I liked. Look, who knows what's going to happen, Tony? You and your wife could be back together in a month. Leaving A.S. here fucked in the ass. Again, he didn't say me here fucked in the ass. He didn't say Alan here fucked in the ass. But A.S. Right. Again, Anthony Soprano. The initials mirroring the initials because these guys are very much two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he could be saying when you and your wife are back together, it's going to leave you fucked in the ass. Right. I'm just saying it's a possible interpretation (laughs) of that line. I think it's a great interpretation. Using the initials there. Yeah. Of course, Tony leaves with the last word. Mm-hmm. He's not going to buy the place. Yeah, but he's still keeping it very, very, very civil mm-hmm. for now. And it's kind of like, well, we know Tony. Where's this going to go? Yeah. But he does get a call from Johnny who says that Carmine is ready to settle. 
out of nowhere. Out of the blue. And I thought, this is interesting. We get a new setting. Usually we get the cafe, the bar in New York, but they're in a park, specifically a park where men are playing chess. Right. Which, how could that go unnoticed that this whole time they've been playing a game of chess? Yeah. The symbolism. Yes. Is real. It's it's on fire in this episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's this, this small note I, I caught of when the men are uh, greeting each other and saying hello. Johnny and Chris give each other a hug. Tony and Carmine give each other a hug. Tony shakes Johnny's hand. Carmine could care less who Chris is. Mm-hmm. And Chris notices it. And he gives like a, <laughs> he tilts his head to the side and just shakes it like, all right, fuck you, old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really nice. I love Carmine because he is very, very conscious of the hierarchy. Oh, yeah. So we actually saw that in the last episode when he crushed Polly's dreams. <laughs> like the way that he was talking to Polly, he was like, yeah, I know that you're part of this thing of ours, but you're nowhere near my level. So mm-hmm. it's really not even worth my time to even address you. <laughs> Which I think is interesting, too, because Johnny is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about pecking orders, mm-hmm. as we'll see later with this conversation with Tony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um seems like everybody knows about Carmela and him now. Right. That's totally gotten around. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. And uh, so Tony makes a move here from 20 to 15. Mm-hmm. Gets his 15%. Carmine's okay with it. Johnny, there is a note uh, that he's not too moved by all of this mm-hmm. at all. And then at the end, Carmine makes the point of, hey, you know, my son was really involved in this. He did a lot. Remember that when I'm gone. But guess what? I won't be gone anytime soon. Yeah. And Tony's like, oh, well, great. Good. Yeah. Grand. Johnny's like, got to play along. Doesn't like it. (laughs) Johnny's just stewing. This is not really what he wanted at all. So we get Meadow sitting with Carmela. Mm -hmm. Meadow now knows about the impending separation. And she expresses her sadness about the fact that, you know, her parents are splitting up, brings up Furio, Mm -hmm. right? And Carmela responds with the truth, which is, I mean, we get a push in on Carmela here because she's like, wow, how did Meadow, my daughter, completely figure that out? Right. But of course, Carmela... She hasn't been around for like five episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Carmela, of course, bats that away and does tell the truth that she's never been unfaithful to Tony. It's true. And, I mean, this is just kind of a hard scene. Carmela and Meadow, very tearful, very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, though, Meadow wouldn't be Meadow unless she lashed out with a little bit of a brattiness absolutely and says to Carmela basically how could you have put up with what dad was doing this whole time yeah and then runs off which i think i find interesting as well i i wouldn't imagine meadow knows about that i don't remember her finding out about any of that i guess she's just perceptive she or she is you know probably overheard an argument or an inference mm-hmm. at some point you know over the years so yeah. i think it's plausible that she could know that tony's not necessarily been a good boy all these years mm-hmm. well i will come back to that line more is lost by indecision than wrong decision mm-hmm. and in a moment there with that line from meadow she's speaking to the indecision that carmela made mm-hmm. over the years Right. And getting to this point now. Yeah, yeah. yeah and hurting exactly. everybody in the process. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's being true. True to form here. Absolutely. 
And this next scene in Vesuvio opens with a little cap to the Tony Artie arc for the season. Yeah. Going back to what you said, everyone knows about what's going on with Tony and Carmela. You know, Artie approaches Tony kind of hesitantly and, you know, offers his condolences. Tony just sort of nods and says, hey, this is an al dente. Yeah. Which I feel like is Tony's way of saying thank you. Yeah. But also, go fuck yourself. We're still, like, not that cool after what happened, you know, a few episodes back and everybody hurts. And then the phone rings. Tony's phone going off the hook this episode. Johnny Sachs on the other line saying, hey, you know that whole let's kill Carmine thing and he settled and whatnot? Well, let's keep killing him. Yeah. Let's keep on that. And we get that line that I just mentioned. And Tony uses it. So another thing that Tony reiterating the line of somebody else mm-hmm. says to Johnny Sack. More was lost by indecision than a wrong decision. You know, Johnny Sack says he agrees, but in his mind, that's uh, let's move forward with this then. Yeah. And let's uh, Tony lets Chris know because Chris is there as well. He drops, sits down and, and drops that info in Chris's lap. Right. Yeah, I noticed we're right around the 50 minute mark. Still got a lot of episode to talk about. If anybody's still out there with us, thank you. Sorry, guys. There's 86 episodes of The Sopranos. This is the longest yes. of all 86. So this will probably be our longest episode that's of The Sopranos show. That's true. That's true. Um, in this next scene, we pick up at the Bing. Yeah. And I just thought Paulie is playing his hand a little too loose here. <laughs> Like going on and on and on about how Johnny Sack was being played by him and not the other way around. It's just cool to your jets. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to do more track covering, I guess. And hey, if it ever gets out that they were talking as much as they were. Well, at least now Polly has that alibi of, oh, I was playing Johnny. That's what it was. Yeah. People believe that for sure. Yeah. But then Tony walks in and yet he's still on a roll telling Tony he should throw her shit on the driveway. And it's just like, settle down, big fella. Like you are pushing it. Like they even give him a look. Yeah. Right. Syl and Tony are like, mm. and Paulie's like, yeah, right. I'll shut up. Go back to my fingernail filing. But he's just trying to brown nose, you know, when he's, when yeah, he's brown yeah. nosing, it's so obvious, you yeah. know, it's hilarious. And, you know, Tony is kind of upset about how things are going, obviously. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's starting to get a little bit resentful. Obviously, he knows that he was in the wrong. But, hey, he can't deny that he financially supported Carmela. He bought the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she wanted, he says. She's got, you know, maybe a lot of nerve kind of basically trying to kick him out of the life that mm-hmm. he built for her single-handedly. Yeah. You know? Phone rings again. Oh, what a great line though when the phone rings. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, Oh, Tony, what 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 year is this when this episode came out? Yeah. Two thousand two. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like you have no idea where <laughs> things are gonna be going. That's true. Because Tony's like, you know, phones, like, you know, we were better off in the old days. Yeah. And it's a it's actually one of many references to the first episode of the series. Mm-hmm of how uh, he was complaining to Melfi about how he came into a moment in time of being too late for the game right. and missing the old days. This is just him hearkening back to, to that. But who's on the other line? It's Alan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's continue a little bit more with this mirroring, shall we? The literal mirroring of Alan and Anthony. So 
Both of them are in their offices. Both have the same Rocky Marciano photo placed behind them. Did you notice that? I didn't. That's amazing. They both had the same they both have the same Rocky yeah. Marciano photo. I remember the photo and seeing it multiple times, but I don't think I thought in those multiple times, oh, it's in the two different places. It's yeah. yeah. They both have the same photo. Yeah. Awesome. And and they're both showing their tactics in negotiation and intimidation. And it's just, yeah, it plays out nicely here. Uh, how the two men are at a standstill. Heads are clashing. Yeah, and this is how it happens when two guys that are used to winning go head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Alan is a bully. Anthony is a bully. Yeah. The difference is one guy murders, one guy doesn't, right? Right. But these two guys are not, you know, going to back down readily. Yes. No matter how angry and intimidating the other guy gets. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really important here too in this conversation between Tony and Alan is that Alan jumps right to the obvious, which is, hey, if you mobster boss think that like you can solve this by hurting me, well, it's going to be really difficult for you to get away with that. I've got a paper trail. I'm anticipating that you're going to try something like that. And guess what? It's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Showing kind of uh, his walls breaking down a bit there, Mm -hmm. Alan is. You wouldn't see Tony sort of playing that kind of defensive role. Yeah. Would you? But, well, we we shall see. But I think it's important for us because, yeah, as viewers, we're like, well, I mean, why doesn't Tony just send a guy over there to kick Alan's ass? And this moment is establishing why that will not really be able to happen. Good point. I love how dramatic this scene opens. Yeah, right? <laughs> Carmela in the kitchen, she looks up, there's Tony reet, just reet, in the reflection. Reet, reet, yeah. Reet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, some creepy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, casually walks up to the refrigerator and she forcefully slams the door shut. And in this moment, his apology is the weakest most insincere apology he could give for this moment. And I think he knows it too. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit at this right. point because of all the talk with, you know, the guys and they're like, Hey, you shouldn't let her push you around. This is your house. Right. And he's like, damn right. I'm going to go home and set things straight. Yeah. Well, she loses it. <laughs> I'll show her. Right. I'm the man. See, <laughs> but yeah, it is funny. Cause this is um, something that I kind of referenced before how Tony, tries different tactics with Carmela throughout the episode, right? So first it was sort of just the obvious, okay, I'll just deny and apologize. Maybe she'll just get out of her system and things can return to normal. When he sees that that isn't going to work, what we get in this scene is, okay, I'm going to go the bully route. Mm -hmm. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm the man. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving out. And if you don't like it, too fucking bad. Physically pinning her down to the island and... The only thing that she has are her words and uses them effectively here. Disarms him by saying, I don't love you anymore. I mean, you can even see how Tony is affected by that. Like, that hurt him. That really hurt. (laughs) He's like, wait a second. I didn't realize we were there. Yeah. And he pulls away, um, but goes back to the fridge. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm staying here. This is my house. This is the way it is. Right. And she, again breaks down because it's 
overwhelming for her. And I thought, oh, God, Tony, don't pull out the meat. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Mayday. He's going to crash. He's going to crash. He's just going to yeah. pull out the gabagool. Think about his mom getting horny over roast beef and then mm-hmm. just collapse. Well, that's the interesting thing that does not happen. And mm-hmm. as you were describing that just now, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you would think that maybe this could push Tony to a panic attack. It doesn't. But, you know, he's still he's going through a lot. I still think that he's in denial. Right. Absolutely, yeah. He just cannot accept right. that Carmela is done. Mm-hmm. And then we get. AJ's perspective a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, an introduction to AJ's perspective on this whole divorce. Of course, AJ is not really that deep. He's not going to like be crying about it like his sister did. Tony has tried sleeping at Whitecaps. No, he tried sleeping at the pork store. No. And also he's just fired up now. And he's like, no, this is my house. I worked my ass off to get it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to move out. Maybe I'm not going to sleep with Carmella in that bed, but I'll just sleep in this guest area. Yeah. Out back. And I just thought it was so fucking funny that Tony would tell AJ that now that he's out in the studio, he's going to be on top of things. <laughs> and if AJ's not acting right, you know, he's going to be right outside. Whereas before you were actually inside. Right. But, you know, that doesn't go over, you know, with Tony. <laughs> he doesn't realize that. I mean, yeah. Why would he? No, it's great. There is a lot of irony there. Yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, sort of a ridiculous thing. But yeah, this is a tough situation, clearly, because mm-hmm. uh, Carmella hates his guts, and it's it's looking like a stalemate here. He blows up the air mattress, and then later that night, while awake on it, calls Christopher, who's up doing sit-ups, as you do in the middle of the night. When you're sober. Yeah, right. And calls off the hit, says that there's something that just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. coming from Johnny Sack. And then we do get that emphasis that you mentioned before. And it goes from Tony. But nobody could notice was ever considered. I'll offer my guys half of what they'd have got. That should do it. I just want you to make sure I told you that. Yeah. And that's the emphasis of Tony of what you mentioned. Like, even if the hit was going to go through those two guys can't live who are going to be the guns for hire. Exactly. And he's making that point here as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can offer them half, but also they shouldn't be alive by the time you do that. Yeah. And Chris has been in the game long enough to know what Tony's saying to him. And definitely got his message as in the next scene (laughs) we see he meets up with the guns for hire who are definitely, if they weren't going to be killed are getting a big payday for Mm -hmm. not doing anything. Yeah. You know, for just keeping their mouth shut. Right. Uh, they get in their car. They do offer Christopher some H if he ever feels inclined to. Mm-hmm. And Benny and another associate come out of nowhere and really blow these guys away with like the amount of ammunition yeah. they waste on these two guys is incredible. Well, we needed it, right? Because how much other violence is in this episode? True. Zero, right? right? So Except I for think Carmela that- and... Yeah, aside from emotional violence. Yes. Um, And I think that that was intentional because I was like, wow, this is excessive that they're blowing these two guys away like to such a degree. Uh, But I just think it was like, well, you know, this is a long episode. It's mostly about domestic conflict. Mm -hmm. Still a Sopranos. We still got to have some gunplay in here for the last episode of the season. Also, this is an interesting thing. Absolutely intentional. 
the framing of this shot, you'll notice when these two black dudes are getting killed, the graffiti, did mm. you see the white power graffiti? No. Yeah. Oh, God. So that's written in the background, like along one of the walls, just as white power. Oh, wow. And it's just kind of like, oh, that's like pretty intense. Jesus. But I, I think that, that that sort of speaks to what the subtext is of this scene. Right. That, you know, even if these guys weren't black, they would be getting killed. But mm -hmm. the fact that they're black sort of speaks to the racism of our main characters in the sense right. that that makes these guys extra expendable, wow. you know? Um, so I remember seeing that and being like, yeah, that's creepy, but like, it's, it's dark, but it's also, you know, what David Chase believes this scene is kind of about in mm. a lot of ways. That's incredible. I also, I thought you were going to say that it kind of mirrored the opposite of when Tony was attacked in oh. season one yeah and how he was in his car and he had two guys on both sides of his window shooting at him and it's very similar but yeah no, no your point there's is, that too your, well your point is a little more strong <laughs> it has a stronger uh, take on that <laughs> and so we're now we're back at the soprano house and tony is lying by the pool this is the scene that comes before the scene uh but tony is right that she is just out there to break his balls at this point about moving the chairs while he's in the pool. No one's going to get out of the pool to move some chairs just because you want to run the water. Yeah. It's not going to happen. She's out there to break his balls. He knows it. And she tells him that if it had been, he had been more loving, mm -hmm. more cooperative, she might have gone on with right. all of his bullshit. Well. Yeah. Who knows if that's true, but... So we get a little bit of a shift from Carmela here, too, in terms of her tactics. Before, she was very sad, of mm. course, but that was mainly what was driving her, uh, the sadness. But now, Tony's, like, in her face, lounging in the pool. Uh, she is getting a little bit more angry, you know, and what prompts him to kind of get out of the pool is when she just says, fuck you, yeah. which is a pretty, you know, blunt thing that yeah. she normally doesn't really say to tony or really to anyone mm -hmm. uh and of course tony has that hey that's gonna be three dollars line <laughs> yeah uh but of course this scene does lead into the climactic battle mm -hmm. between tony and carmella in this episode and really james gandolfini and edie falco's finest moments as these characters i would say yeah uh one-on-one -on -one, you know yeah before leading up to it he references again a season one moment of him being told by her that he's going to go to hell yeah. when he dies. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that does take us into this next scene, the uh, scene of uh, all the truths coming out on both sides and starts off sensitive. Carmela sensitive to the fact that she regrets having said that to him all these years and Tony tries to explain and justify that he's been like this since the beginning. This is not a different person. This is a person who grew up with his kind of father, with his kind of past, with the people that she knows as well. Dickie Moltisanti, her uncle Eddie. She knows people who were involved. She understands this is the life that you're continuing to live in. If you decide to be with Tony Soprano, she may deny it, 
But, you know, all the stuff that he's talking about, about the fancy things, the house, everything, she wouldn't have been satisfied with anybody else. And we've seen that over the years, over and over again, her gushing over the things that he buys her and gets her. This scene really, this is the ultimate battle, right? Between Mm -hmm. the two. And it's because what makes it so intense is, well, yes, it starts off with Tony kind of crossing a line and being like, yeah, you know, you knew, like you said, right? But then that really is it for Carmela. Like at that point, she is done. It's like, how dare you say that to me? And how dare you treat me that way and justify it as some sort of cultural right that you have? Right. And then she hits him with the hardest thing she's got, which is Furio, mm-hmm. and tells him very you know, distinctly, obviously she can't say I had sex with him because that's not true. Right. But she can say everything else, which is... The last year, I have been dreaming and fantasizing and in love with Furio. <laughs> what? Every morning when he'd come to pick you up, I would look forward to it all night long in bed next to you. Those nights when you were actually in the bed. And he would ring the doorbell. I felt like my heart would come out of my chest. He would smile and we'd talk. And then you would come down the stairs. And I felt probably like someone who was terminally ill and somehow they managed to forget it for a minute. And then it all comes back. Basically saying like, Tony is, you know, the equivalent of terminal illness and impending death. And that's when Tony loses it, runs across the room. As he's running across the room, we know that he's not going to hit Carmella. Do like, we, though? I never for a second thought he was going to. <sighs> really? I you mean, thought that he I was going to punch Carmella? I don't know. Yeah. He's pissed. I mean, because yeah. she says something that we haven't heard yet. We know we knew this mm-hmm. was the fact. But she says it out loud. She was in love with Furio. Right. Right. Yeah. And I... You know, like you said, up to the moment she compares him to cancer, right? <laughs> uh, he doesn't believe it. Yeah, but then he can really see that that truth and that intensity from her that right. she can't just make that up, and somehow it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to punch her necessarily, right. but I was worried for her. Yeah, because but... he definitely punches that wall super hard three times. I couldn't do that if I wanted to. I, I envied it. the strength of Tony Soprano in that moment. I mean, that's all Gandolfini. Yeah. <laughs> that's like him warming up. Yes. Right? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure they planned on that, but it would be amazing if they didn't and they were all on set and they were like, fuck, Gandolfini just put a <laughs> hole in the set. <laughs> like, it's great, but it's so, it's so intense. And... What I think is just really great is just how Tony calls, you know, Carmela a hypocrite. And then she essentially, because he's like, yeah, okay, you knew what you were getting into and you wanted all the great things that are material that I was able to give you. And then she sort of is like, well, you're in many ways the same, you know, Mm -hmm. just about different things. So it's really that hypocrisy that they hit each other with and they have so much contempt for each other in this moment. And this is when we know 
this marriage is done. <laughs> yeah. For now, it is done. Yeah. I think bringing up uh, that you could not converse with your wife is not a good reason. Mm-hmm. And she tells him how there was nothing stopping them from having good conversations. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like he has lost every argument. So all the clashes they've had up to this moment, he hasn't won a single one of them. And neither should he. Yeah. But uh, there are some some takeaways, I think, for Carmela of looking at herself, of how she might be to blame for some of this. But in the end, I mean, Tony is playing a game he cannot keep up with. Well, yeah, because all he can do is point out Carmela's flaws. And Carmela does have flaws. The only difference between... Right. Carmela's flaws and Tony's flaws are that Carmela's flaws aren't really destructive to Tony's life in any mm. way, shape, or form. Mm. And mm. Tony's flaws very much are destructive to her. Yeah. Ooh. Well, from that intense moment, we have Junior's trial, and the jury still can't agree on anything, so we have a mistrial. Junior is free. He's a free man. He's a free man. It worked. And Danny's a loser. Danny held out, but clearly he is hated by everyone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But back to Tony, uh, actually opening up on Melfi, who we wouldn't expect to have seen. I was not expecting this. You know, he, he canceled all future appointments with her. But in his desperation, he calls Melfi, cannot respond when she answers, because I think... Surely the thought of crawling back to therapy is something that scares him. Yeah. That he might be a coward, that he has to be so weak to go back to, to Melfi. Right. And that she uses classic star six nine to see who might have called. And of course, getting the answer she does get understands who it is. Yeah. She knows it was Tony. Of course. Yeah. AJ comes down to Tony's guest abode in the back and uh, ask if he can live with his dad, which is kind of an odd request, but uh, AJ just doesn't want to listen to Carmel anymore. And AJ isn't like a typically, or I should say he is a typically sort of insensitive chauvinist, I think in the sense that, you know, at all of this, he takes his dad's side. If I was Carmela's son, I would understand that Tony was in the wrong and I would take my mom's side and I would try and like support my mom, I think. But I don't think AJ has all the pieces. He though. doesn't have all the pieces. And yeah. so that's what makes him confused about the situation. Sure. He just thinks his mom's being mad at his dad for nothing. Yeah. The yeah. dude just bought that nice house. How could she be so upset with him? I guess that's a big part of it too. Yeah. He's not smart. Yeah. <laughs> He's and, Yeah. And during this whole scene, little Polly and Benny are taking away all the speakers. Yeah, it's really kind of this scene <laughs> is uh, like the conversation happening between AJ and Tony isn't really that important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you see that Tony is encouraging AJ to be chivalrous and to, hey, like, yes, maybe your mother and I hate each other at this moment, but that doesn't give you the right to treat her with any disrespect. Even gives AJ some money to buy some gifts. Which is him passing along the same behavior yeah. that he uses on Carmela, giving him money to spend it on things to make her feel better. That's how you get the bitch to stop crying. Wow. 
But it's not the same... my belief. <laughs> oh. Not my viewpoint. Oh, I thought you were going to say, not my bitch. <laughs> Tony's bitch. No, not my viewpoint at all. But I'm just saying, like, that is kind of the classic sort of shitty attitude. Yes. Uh, that Tony and his kind perpetuate. Which he is passing down to yeah. his son. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that there's not a lot in this scene, but the... the just like the suspicious mm-hmm. taking away of all of his speakers. Yeah, what, what's happening with what the speakers? What that is all about. Yeah. And I actually noticed this too. Did you see what he was eating? Yes, I did. So he's eating out of a jar of what appears to be some sort of dip or... Bean dip. Yeah, a bean dip. Mm-hmm. And uh, the brand has the name Guiltless yes. across it. And yeah. from time to time it says he's holding it where it only shows guilt. Guiltless. It, that, come on. I that's not accidental it's not I paused that I was like wow really like right dude I mean this show is just so detailed they're so thorough it's ridiculous crazy it's crazy next junior back home a home that he will stay in because he doesn't have to go to jail Janice thinks hey we should celebrate junior's like I don't want to make a big deal about it of course he has that line that I thought was kind of funny I don't suppose Tony had come but what's going on up at that abattoir? Which I had to look up what that is. A British slaughterhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Such a dramatic word choice for him to use. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just get this moment. Bobby and Janice. The ZD is gone. The pants are off for these two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, and Junior cannot stand it. Yeah. Uh, and I can't either. I really but can't. It's official. Mm-hmm. Bobby and Janice. So another uh, big payoff after about a season of setup. Yep. They are a couple. True. Bobby gave in and he loves Janice. Janice loves him. There you go. Isn't it great how like almost every character has like a setup to this final scene? Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Everybody had something going on right. that was set up to this last scene or last episode. Yeah. Nuts. Good storytelling. Uh, yeah. That's why they pay these guys the big bucks. That's true. I like how this scene ends, actually, with Janice just staring at Junior. Because it does feel like, you know, they probably did this when they were younger, too. Where Mm -hmm. younger Janice was just staring at her uncle while he's just trying to get some shut eye. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, I I mean, I do like this final note from Junior. Because after everything that he went through, he's not like jumping up and down, Mm -hmm. excited. Obviously, he's an old man. But it's more just like relief you know mm-hmm. just so much relief and he just quietly wants to sit on his couch and that's all he wants to do no party nothing just sit on his couch mm. i like that yeah so we were wondering where those speakers were going <laughs> and now we get such I, this is like classic and i never forgot this moment in this scene that i thought it was so clever Tony's like, you know, this guy's right. I can't rough him up. I'll just annoy the shit out of him by blasting my speakers with a Rat Pack Live at the Sands album yes. on repeat <laughs> yeah. at random hours of the day. Yeah. It's just, it's brilliant. I mean, they're sitting down to, I don't know if you caught that, shark fin soup. <laughs> Such fucking douchebags. <laughs> and yeah, I love it that it's this album too. Because right. it's not just singing. It's oh, like yeah. belligerent Dean Martin 
talking yes. to a crowd. Yeah, yeah. Which is perfect. So it's Rat Pack with those kind of mob tie associations. Yep. Stugats, uh yeah, Alan knows what this is about. He knows yep. what it means. And I just wonder how the writers arrived at this very specific strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they took it from something they heard about in real life. Who knows? But it is it is brilliant. And it's just kind of like, yeah, what an original idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. I love it. I really enjoy this final season four conversation between Tony and Johnny. Mm-hmm. So they meet. So Johnny can ask Tony what the delay has been. But I think Johnny knows where this conversation's going. Yeah. And Tony confirms, yeah, I'm out. I'm not going to kill Carmine for you. Yeah. Johnny being very open. Yeah. At this moment. Again, not respecting the pecking order. Right. And the hierarchy like Carmine might. But Johnny's talking to a boss here. New Jersey or not, like you're nobody really. I always forget that. And it's just because of how Johnny acts. And it's like, this isn't boss to boss. This is boss Mm -hmm. to guy who ranks lower than the boss. And that guy who ranks lower is Johnny. And he's just yelling at Tony like they're equals, you know? And yeah, Tony kind of just takes it. He knows that he has kind of reneged. And mm-hmm. if Tony was in Johnny's position, Tony would be very upset at what's happening. Right. Still, there are rules. Still, if you kill people without really a great reason, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you attract too much attention. Tony is making a good point. If Carmine dies, this will be big news. Mm-hmm. You know, Carmine's famous, we can assume, because he's the boss in New York. He's the John Gotti, you know, right now. And basically, he's like, yeah, that's going to bring too much heat on us. And it is only worth it if it has to be done. And it doesn't have to be. So we're not going to do it. Right. And again, we're slipping into flowery language from Johnny Sack here. It doesn't end flowery, but it starts off with him saying, Tomorrow I go into work. Creeps on this petty pace. And I take orders from him again? You're that disgusting fucking cocksucker idiot son of his! But creeping on this petty pace is straight from Macbeth, which we have seen the show do time and again, which I will always reference and pick up on, uh, that I love that they make these little details. But yeah, just Johnny Sack in his frustrations using Shakespeare here. I loved it. <laughs> but mixing I in the, loved it. you know, yeah. Goomba language. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. And what I really liked about it, and I didn't rewind this to re-listen, but I was like, did he even flub the Macbeth line? Because it kind of sounds like he says, creeps on this petty piss. <laughs> oh, and no. it's like, it's not piss, no, Johnny. No, no. It's pace. He says pace. Okay. <laughs> he says pace. He said, at least the subtitles also noted pace. But Okay, good. Because I was like, that would just be so funny if he if he said piss instead of pace. No, he said he, he does flub the line. He says yeah. creeps on this petty pace. It's yeah. creeps in this petty pace. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter. He somehow knows yeah. a line from Shakespeare and he's using it. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. He's over it. That's right. But both men's uh, hands are tied, and that's what we conclude in this scene. Tony says, you know, Johnny, can, you can move forward on your own. You know, obviously, I'll know, Syl will know, and Chris will know. Mm-hmm. That's true. But Johnny calls him out for that and says, if you don't do this, I can never trust you again because you've reneged so many times. You've, gone, you've flip-flopped 
mm-hmm. this so many times. And we're stuck in like a, a catch 22, like can't make a move because Tony will know. And you just can't have somebody else know about that who wasn't involved. And if they don't make a move, Johnny can never trust Tony. Right. So they're been in a bit of a deadlock, a dilemma yeah. here. Yeah. And they do part on respectful terms, ish. but yeah, ish for sure. But, you know, we think, okay, well, Johnny is still there in New York, unhappy. Tony is still boss of Jersey. Everything is peaceful now. Mm-hmm. We know season five is coming. Could things develop from here? Yeah, we'll see. But also, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that they do still manage to land a Jenny Sack fat joke in this scene. They do? <laughs> yes. When Johnny is expressing sympathy to Tony uh-huh. about Tony's marriage troubles. Right. And Johnny's like, yeah, that's what I always think about. Hey, is it worth it? Mm. And then Tony's like, but you and Jenny, you're the old married couple. And then Johnny's like, well, you know, it can be hard if both aren't pulling that load. Oh, God. <laughs> and then Tony gets this look on his face like, oh, my God. I want to laugh so hard right now. <laughs> That's amazing. I totally just overlooked it. Sopranos, yeah. man. Right? They will stoop to the fat joke. <laughs> yes, they will. But okay, from there, Tony enters the house, has some things he's uh, getting together, brings AJ into the conversation. Meadow comes down right at the beginning and he lets them know, uh, this isn't healthy for me to be here. And in fact, your mother might be right and I should leave. So I'm going to leave. Uh, It's really sad here. I mean, the kids are heartbroken. AJ blames himself. Meadow suggests they go back to counseling. AJ hopeful they can get back together. You know, Tony kind of, you know, plays along with that idea that, Mm -hmm. but he knows it's not possible, at least not right now at all. And then we get an interesting moment, though, with Meadow who runs back up to her room. We get this flashback that we normally don't get in this show, but we get this brief moment of a scene that happened of her pissed off that there's no food to eat and her kind of reflecting on maybe her guilt that she feels in all this as well of what kind of daughter was she during this moment? How could she have played into their broken marriage? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when her parents were together and as far as she knew happy, she didn't appreciate it. She took it for granted. Yeah. And then Tony collects all of his things, says he's going to be at the plaza and AJ and Carmela watch him drive off. Yeah. And what he's wearing here too, I think is symbolic, you know, all dark clothing basically wearing a a cap which we almost never see tony and i don't think we've ever seen him wear a hat like that sure or really a hat in general <laughs> and uh i mean i think it just kind of says that this is a change this is a new he's starting a new life you know brave new world mm-hmm. but um an unhappy one for him mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be a sopranos episode if we didn't end with a really nice scene and we had Straight back to the douches, heading out to the backyard, enjoying some wine, cognac, whatever it might be, chilling by their lakeside property with the Stugats looming in the night light. Mm -hmm. And it's just the best because it's all quiet and peaceful. And they're like, maybe we have an opportunity to enjoy tonight. 
and Dean Martin's voice comes back. Alan is truly out of his element, bested by the best at this moment because his third wife is now (laughs) really complaining to him. Yeah. And happy wife, happy life for Alan probably is going to have to turn over and give the deposit back. Yeah, he's realizing that he has to give in here because, yeah, as is pointed out, hey, maybe the cops come. By the time they show up, the music will just be off. They'll just Mm -hmm. turn it off. If they're fined, it's like a $200 fine. Tony can pay that forever. Yep. Is it really worth it keeping the deposit? So, yeah, we don't get Alan saying, hey, I'm going to give in. But the look on his face says it all. He's like, yeah, I lost. I have to give in. Yeah. I just love it. It's so good. It's such then, a touching any, uh, ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic, you know, uh, specifically with that, the final words, you know, uh, Dean Martin's lyrics, my girl's right here, mm-hmm. you know, ironic because mm-hmm. Tony's girl is not there. Yeah. So that's the way to end season four. There's no better way. It's great. Yeah. And even from there, the song that it transitions into, I have dreamed from the king and i Mm -hmm. i found rather fitting yeah because tony has had dreams premonitions right of something leading up to a a foreboding moment like this yeah Mm -hmm. right i mean that car dream right yep that's what i was thinking about knowing of course that they do separate at the end of this season Mm -hmm. thinking like yeah carmella was like driving tony to something bad to something dark to death in a sense yeah And that's kind of what divorce is in a way for Tony. Yeah. Well, if you're still with us, thanks for staying with us uh, this long ride. But what a great episode, a great ending to season four. We've done it, Hannibal. Yeah. Four seasons of The Sopranos. But this ends this episode of The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. Join us next week. And like always, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support it, Please subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all the likes of uh, those podcast websites and apps. Like us on Twitter and Facebook. Leave a star rating and review on all those sites as well. It's really helpful, and you guys have been great. But like we do with every episode, we end with our favorite line. Hannibal, what's your favorite line of this episode? My favorite line, Edie Falco, as I said, I think this performance of hers is a masterpiece. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I really felt it when she hit Tony towards the end by saying, okay, look, you're telling me that Svetlana was great because unlike me, she's so independent and she's deep and all of this. But then she kind of launches into this thread of, well, Tony, what about the thousand other fucking pigs you had your dick in over the years? The strippers, the cocktail waitresses. Were you best friends with all of them too? You fucking hypocrite. Yeah. And that was just like, good for you, Carmela. Yeah, that note. Tony lost that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mine uh, actually came from the conversation between Alan and Tony on the phone. I Again, I was just kind of impressed by this mirroring of these two characters and how obvious some of this was. And... I really liked Tony here at the end, how coy he is with Alan when Alan's listing off, like you mentioned, all those things. There's a paper trail to our dispute, and Virginia Lupo's a witness. A hair on my head gets mussed. The authorities are going to know just where to come knocking. Alan, you must read me entirely. 
You must think I'm a fucking thug. I just, yeah, it's great. It's really great. I loved it.